Welcome to KBJR6 Presents Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. Anchoring KBJR6 newscast every night is without a doubt the best way to give Northlanders the information they need to get through their day. But it's also important to investigate certain stories in more detail than a daily newscast allows. That's why once a week I sit down with local leaders and officials to talk about the issues you are concerned about. From politics to current events, I'm here to break down the issues facing Northlanders. This is Beyond the Headlines. This week, we're focusing on the future of public golf in Duluth. It's been a burning question for months now, as a portion of Leicester Golf Course will shut down next year, leaving questions about what will become of that space. Last week, the Duluth City Council approved a resolution to move forward with a process that would allow developers to submit proposals to the city for review for potential development of the land. Uh, you'll recall back in May, city administration proposed selling about 16 acres of the Enger Course driving range and the Lake Nine at Leicester, which is about 50 acres. Both courses have accumulated millions of dollars in debt. Many golf advocates are fighting to keep the courses open and operational, but an option for affordable housing could be on the table as well. So joining us now is Duluth City Councilor Gary Anderson to help us uh, break all of this down. Uh, first off, let's clear something up. Uh, have the Lake Nine of Leicester and driving range closed as of right now? What, what's the status of those parts of the courses? No, they are fully open this okay. year, and to the best of my knowledge, they'll be open at least for the next couple of years. Okay, what's been the problem um, at Lester and Anger um, to have them go into that kind of debt or lose that amount of money over the years? Um, I think there's a bunch of different factors. One is sort of a nationwide trend that there's been um, uh, sort of a downturn in golf numbers, though that seems to be stabling out um, somewhat nowadays. Um, weather is always a factor here in, in the Northland. We only have a number of months when we can play golf. Very true. And if we have a cool spring and a, a, a early snow in the fall, mm -hmm. then our seasons are short and, and the numbers aren't there. To, to someone who has uh, just kind of glanced at this, uh, this issue and what's gone on with the golf courses and city council over the last couple of years, it sounds kind of like golf versus affordable housing or golf versus some uh, very different ideas. Mm -hmm. How would you characterize this, this back and forth and, and what's gone on over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's been a really important and interesting and even challenging community conversation. And I really, right now, look at it as three different areas. One is how do we sustain affordable public golf in our community? Um, the second thing is how do we address our green space? The green space is incredibly important to almost everybody who lives in Duluth. And a third piece that's sort of a part of almost every city conversation is how do we address our, sh our shortage of housing for all, especially affordable housing. Looking at the situation as it stands now, the proposals we've heard, uh, as well as knowing that uh, those parts of the golf course are in trouble or the courses themselves are losing money, um, what's the best way forward that you see as it stands right now? Well, the plan that not only that I see, but that the council has agreed to right now is to um, explore the potential for selling the Lake Nine um, um, at Leicester and part of the driving range, mm -hmm. and also the driving range up at Enger, um, so that these um, pieces of land could then be rezoned, and then we would set up um, uh, requests for proposals from de for possible developers. Um, with a hope of getting housing on this land with a minimum of 20% affordable. 
Okay, and, and so uh, we interviewed you at City Council last week. Uh, you said that uh, whoever comes to you with an idea for what to do with the land, I believe mm -hmm. you're speaking about a developer, uh, had better have a good idea that lines up um, with the, the principles we have in place and what we'd like to see done. What does uh, a developer need to say to you to say, for you to say, okay, um, you're the right person? You know, I think it's really the values of the community that we, we're looking at. Um, the community certainly cares for green space. We want to take care in, uh, out at Leicester. We want to be um, the water that's there, the Leicester Creek, Leicester River, Amity Creek, Lake Superior. So we want to be looking at stormwater runoff issues around potential development. Um, and also accessibility for the and connection to the existing community. We don't, I don't believe anybody in this community wants to see uh, a gated off community. So we want something that would be an addition to the beautiful um, neighborhood of Leicester and Lakeside. What, uh, what would be some of the benefits of uh, selling the courses or the, those portions of the course right now um, financially for the city? Is, is that mm -hmm. something um, that you're taking into account in a major way? It certainly is because the intention from the city administration's point is that um, if there's a developer who is interested in developing that Lake Nine, the sale of that land, the, the money from that land, would then be used to reinvest in public golf, um, most likely directing those funds toward the Leicester course um, and the Le Lakeside course, or excuse me, toward the Anger course. And then um, uh, the Lakeside course, Leicester course, would stay open while the anger course is being renovated and we still have great challenges for public golf. We're going to hear from uh, one of the golf course advocates coming up in, here mm -hmm. in just a little bit. What do you say to the folks who've been at the council meetings, uh, who've been online, really advocating to quote uh, save anger and save Lester? Uh, what do you say to them when they come and talk to you about this idea? You know, personally, I've been involved, deeply involved in the conversation for about a year and a half. I was on the, the Golf Task Force. So I know it's a really challenging conversation and we still, we don't have answers even with the sale of, even if this, the sales did go through, we still don't have any guarantee that we can save public golf. So we need to keep talking, staying in this really challenging conversation. And the Friends of Duluth Public Golf are really an integral part of this conversation. So I'm really glad that you're going to have a representative from them um, with us today. You talked about, you know, the short uh, golf season around here. Is this just kind of the reality of uh, public golf in an area like this, a, a climate like this, uh, probably not going to be profitable in the long term? Is that just something you say, uh, it, this is just how it is? You know, Dan, I'm certainly not an expert in public golf, public or private golf for that matter. Um, but I do know that um, the city of Duluth invested in this land and in this additional nine holes at Leicester back in the mid-80s. Um, originally, there was just an 18-hole course there. Um, since then, I, uh, Black Bear and Cloquet was added. Um, I think there were added holes in, in Superior. So the whole region has really, it seems, a glut of golf holes. And as our population has, our needs of our population have shifted, there just doesn't seem to be the population there to um, make all of these courses profitable. Combination of uh, climate and national trends, as you say. Well, Seems to be. What we're seeing here. All right, well, Councilor Anderson, uh, we appreciate it. We'll bring you back in to, to rejoin the conversation later in the show.
Great, thank you. We are joined by the president of Friends of Duluth Golf, Dan Baumgardner. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, Dan. Uh, we just heard from Councillor Anderson. Uh, what's your message uh, to him and other councillors when it comes to uh, the ideas that have been presented on what to do with those portions of the courses? Uh, I think, first of all, a thank you to those councillors. Um, Gary, Joel Cypress, um, Eric Forsman, Zach Filipovich, they've been really integral to this process. Uh, they've been great about reaching out to us and sitting down with us. Eric was at a fundraiser scramble we held last week and, and he was in front of a tough audience. He took questions from the golfers. Um, and so anytime you have your city leaders willing to advocate for you and and get out there with you is really important. You mentioned Councillor Forsman was, was feeling some tough questions, a tough crowd. Um, what are some, uh, what, what's the temperature of the golf community right now when it comes to this topic? I think first of all, we, we do the thing of, okay, how important is this to us and what are we willing to do to save it? Um, I know there's some difficulty with issues like the debt. The debt gets thrown around a lot um, Friends of Duluth Public Golf looked into it and we found that uh, it's a weighted term. The debt was accumulated over 30 years. A lot of it was administrative fees that the city charged the courses and then we were charged a higher rate than a lot of other entities. So that kind of tough stuff is tough to swallow. Um, we do understand though that there are financial hurdles. Um, the infrastructure needs to be worked on, the clubhouses, the cart paths, and so there are some things there that we need to look at at going forward. Can it be profitable or at least break even public golf in Duluth going forward, do you, do you think? I think that's a bigger conversation about public golf. Um, are, is public golf supposed to be profitable? Is um, city recreation supposed to be profitable? Oftentimes, no. I think the goal is more just to provide something for your citizens. Now, that being said, we're close. Um, the, the paper had the city budget in there the other day and it was something like ten million dollars on recreation and culture and an eighty-five thousand dollar loss on golf so that's point oh oh eight five percent of that let's define specifically uh... what you and uh... others in the golf community want here we're talking about uh... on what's on the table right now the potential sale of those sixteen acres at anger and the fifty acres at lester uh... you would like to see nothing none of that sold at all and and stay golf? I think in an, in an ideal world, yes. Um, but we also understand that being part of a bigger uh, a community, a city, then sometimes there's compromise. And the proposal that the council is looking at now is a good compromise. And like I said, sometimes you say, what are you willing to do to save this? And if that's what we have to do to save the rest of public golf, the other 18 holes at Leicester, mm -hmm. the 27 at Anger, then then we'll be on board with that. And you hear some of the other proposals as far as uh, affordable housing. Um, you know, we've heard some people throw around the idea of commercial. Uh, if not staying golf, uh, what would you like to see happen to those chunks of land? I think that's an important issue right now, affordable housing. Um, so if we can help address those and address um, some of the financial hurdles we have as golf, then that's something that we can, the community can live with and I think we can be okay with as long as we continue to have this conversation. There's a lot of specifics that the golf community is concerned about. We want to make sure that we have two public courses for the future, not just two for a couple of years and then we're down to one. So there's some real specific stuff that we have to get into. You, you said there are a lot of specifics the golf community is concerned about. What are some of the biggest concerns? 
I think number one when we look at this proposal is we need to make sure we have driving ranges. Those are huge revenue drivers. So even a year or part of a year without driving ranges would be devastating. Um, and then we want to make sure we have a legitimate chance after 2022 of having two golf courses. So the bar might be high, but it, it can't be unreachable. We have to be able to get there. Have you experienced resistance when it comes to these ideas of, of keeping the courses open long term? I think that there is another side of the issue in the community where they're focused on some of the things that we're not focused on. Um, I think as we have this conversation, we can start to kind of show people where we're coming from as far as the financial side of it. Uh, Friends of Duluth Public Golf drew up its own proposal for the golf courses. We got really into detail. We did a lot of research. And some of those ideas in there, if they're implemented, I think can ensure long-term success of the courses. When uh, I was talking to Councillor Anderson a couple of minutes ago, we talked about reasons, specifically big picture reasons, uh, that the golf courses have been apparently losing money. Uh, climate, as well as just the state of public golf in the United States right now, would you point to those two as the biggest reasons? I think weather is always going to be a factor, as with any outdoor activity. Um, statistically, with golf, it's, uh, and oftentimes with statistics, it's how you frame them. Um, the report went back to 2000, which was the Tiger boom, Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. So everybody was golfing, and so it does look like golf participation has gone down slightly. If you take that timeline back a little bit further, it is pretty steady, and you're always going to have the ebbs and flows in participation. But youth participation in golf is at an all-time high. And beginning golfers are 35% women right now, which is very good to see. So on an average uh, Sunday when Tiger's playing, you're on, you're on the sofa cheering him on right now. I'm cheering him on, <laughs> getting ready to get to the course. Yeah. yeah, all right. That's a good idea. We're, we're going to keep this conversation going here in the next segment. We're going to talk about what the future holds or may hold. Uh, we're bringing uh, back the two of you, Dan Baumgartner and uh, Councillor Anderson, to talk more. Uh, you're sitting next to each other talking about this issue. Um, you're calling this a partnership on how to move forward. That, that sounds like a positive thing. I think it's really a positive thing. Um, uh, while the Gulf Task Force was, was up and running, which is for about a year and a half, um, uh, the Friends of Duluth Public Gulf were really an integral part of that conversation. And the participation of the golfing community has helped us get to where we are today as, as a city. Mm -hmm. And what, what would you like to see, Dan, uh, going forward? Um, the, the best possible next step when it comes to these two portions of these two golf courses? I think there's a couple things that we're really hoping to implement. Uh, number one would be an advisory board. Some time, type of a group that would include golfers, um, city leaders, community, um, and, and the management company, Billy Casper, who's done a tremendous job with the courses. Uh, Mike Jacob, um, Craig, Dale on the grounds, they've done a phenomenal job, and so if we can include them in that as well. But an advisory board to kind of oversee this so we don't end up in a similar situation in the future. And then some type of a master plan uh, so that we can look into the future um, and plan accordingly. Uh, but the partnership that we've had and that we hopefully can continue to develop with this going forward is what's going to ensure that we're successful. And Councillor Anderson, uh, so hearing that, the uh, idea of an advisory committee and uh, something like that going forward, is that from, from your point of view on the City Council, is that something realistic or you think will happen? Oh, it sure is. And these, um, both of these um, 
steps, if you will, are, have already been basically approved by the council. So it's just a matter of taking one thing at a time and, you know, currently looking at um, the rezoning and the potential uh, for selling out, putting out the requests for proposals. We've heard you both talk about green space in this show and the value of green space in the city of Duluth and, and nationwide. Uh, why is it so important? Why is it so important to have a big debate when it comes to how to protect the green space in the city of Duluth? I think that's uh, an easy one um, in that fact that it's really hard to gather public land. That's the biggest thing about creating a park is like how do you get ownership of the land. And so this is a, a really a generational issue that we're looking at today, the idea of actually letting go of public land. Um, but I like to think of it's also it's public land shifting from being a park, but that will still be for benefit to the whole community. You, you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, and, and we're at a time, there's no debate about it in our society where climate's at a crisis. And so green space is very, very important. And so anytime you're talking about eliminating that, especially when it's public, uh, you really have to have a thorough debate and make sure that there's broad community support and there's good reason to be doing that. Um, I don't want to go negative here in a big way, but just the hypothetical of what would happen um, if we had to sell sell off both golf courses? Why would that be such a detrimental thing to the community? I think I need to let Dan go with <laughs> okay. that one first. I mean, Tee up there. Yeah. yeah. No pun intended. I, I think that, first of all, there's, it's always important to point out that public golf courses are more than just golf. Um, we have our youth activities that happen there, our junior golf programs, the high school teams practice there, uh, the college teams practice there. We do a lot of fundraising. I think the charity fundraising was somewhere around $500,000 last year. And so when you start eliminating those things, that's what goes away. Um, the average income of Duluth golfers is identical to the average income in, in Duluth. So getting rid of our public golf, all of a sudden people lose the opportunity to do something that they love. And in Duluth, I think, more than a lot of other places, we emphasize being able to do things regardless of where you're coming from economically. Well, we appreciate uh, the both of you being here this morning talking about the, this uh, topic that we will continue covering in the news for some time to come. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That is all the time we have this week for Beyond the Headlines. I'm Dan Wolf. We're back here next week. We'll see you then.